0: We're going to ask the ushers at this time if they make their way this morning as we take up this morning's tithes and offerings. As they make their way, let's pray over the offering this morning. Heavenly Father, Lord, we just love you. and We we glorify you. We magnify you. God, we pray today, God, that you would bless the gift and the giver. Bless those that have to give and those that may not have to give. There's someone here today, Lord, who cannot give for whatever reason that may be. Lord, I pray you would bless them, God. At some point, they could give back. How wonderful, for how wonderful you've been to them. Father, we are so honored to be in your house. God, there's so many other places we could be. And there's so many other people that would trade places with us today. God, every note that is played, every song that is sung, every scripture that is read, Lord, I pray it would be for the building up, building and the glory and the honor of the kingdom of God. Lord, I thank you and praise you and we give this service into the hands. The Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Together, the body of Christ said, Amen. Amen. Will you come and bring your offerings this time during our meet and greet? God bless you.
1: to give you glory, Lord.
0: Good morning. It's so good to see all of you uh, here this morning uh, in the house of the Lord. And uh, we are just so excited uh, that you are here today. I do have a couple things I want to uh, mention to you really quickly. Uh, We got a phone call, or I guess you'd say a text message, um, right before service started today. um, About uh, Miss Miss Nina uh, reached out to me. Um, Her daughter-in-law has to have a pretty... um, invasive surgery uh, tomorrow they're having to do some things with her spine and uh, a cervical spine issue um, her daughter-in-law's name is Ashley um, but miss Nina reached out to me and said pastor please 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 pray for Ashley she is real nervous anytime you start talking about playing with the spine any you know anytime that's that's considered a very serious uh, a situation as well and uh, I also want to pray um, we, we have a lot of folks that are traveling this weekend uh, my my family is on the road traveling as in my mom and dad they're traveling I know a lot of the James family that's why you don't see sister Sherry or Riley or Brandon or Tana or Brantley and all of the whole crew they're all uh, at a family reunion and uh, North Carolina I believe is where they are and uh, so they're gonna be traveling back getting trying to get back so they're gonna be on the roads uh, I can tell you the roads are pretty rough out there uh, I got home around 430 this morning coming back from Pennsylvania uh, traffic was was quite enjoyable so, uh, so uh, the uh, Washington DC lives even in the middle of the night and so uh, we want to make sure that uh, we pray for them as well. Uh, also uh, Brianna has to have um, her our procedure our procedure done to check some of the fluids. Um, they're dealing with the, uh, the inner uh, cranial stenosis that we have going on there she has to have a lumbar puncture and so we're she's real nervous about that again because you're playing with fluid on the spine so we want to make sure that we pray for those folks as well but before brother randy uh our brother marion uh comes today to read scripture and prayer i want to just give a couple housekeeping items some have expressed interest in bringing part of our family our church family we love that but if you're interested please see me or talk to a sister carol or someone or you can either fill out a connection card On our website to let me know so I can contact you and we can go through those steps I know a bunch of you have asked about that ladies I know most of you have already gotten these but if you haven't already picked them up the questionnaire is still in the welcome center we need you to fill those out and return those in as soon as possible so that we can kind of vet them read them understand them see what you want to do but we want to relaunch our uh, Santee circles uh, women's circle and women's ministry department um, there's all kinds of questions of, you know, how often do you want to meet, Bible studies, what do you like to do. So if you're interested at all, um, please uh, pick up one of those questionnaires and turn them uh, back in to the church as well. Uh, so, uh, we have a couple things coming up, Back to School Bash. It's coming up next Sunday, so we're still collecting school items. If you want to bring anything that we can give to our kids during the children's church next Sunday, we're going to have a little party with them. Uh, the Pillars Breakfast will be on August the 26th uh and we're working the logistics i'll have a final location for you uh here in the next couple days what we're going to do and then we have snack night on the 27th uh for all of that stuff so there's a lot of stuff that's happening on our property and things that are going on and so we want to you know make sure that you're aware of that we're going to ask those leading scripture and prayer if they'll go ahead and make their way this morning and immediately following that, uh, we have a special treat for you today. Miss Lila Faye normally sings the second Sunday of the month, and Brother Jimmy normally sings the first Sunday of the month. Well, Brother Jimmy did his due diligence, but the two of them decided they were going to sing a duet today. So when Brother Marion finishes with Scripture and prayer, they're both going to sing today for us as well, so they will be immediately following Scripture and prayer. God bless you.
2: Praise the Lord. Psalm 63, Psalm of David. O God, thou art my God, early I will seek thee, my soul thirsteth for thee, my flesh longeth for thee in a dry and thirsty land where no water is, to see thy power and thy glory, so as I have seen thee in the sanctuary. Because thy loving kindness is better than life, my lips shall praise thee. Verse 4. Thus will I bless thee while I live. I will lift up my hands in thy name. I think this would be appropriate that we not only hear these scriptures but hey we follow them and lift up holy hands to a holy God let us pray and ask God let's invite God to be in our presence that he might touch move that he might just have his way Don't you want the Lord to have his way amen I do praise the Lord father again we're so thankful always for mercies and grace Lord we're thankful Lord most of all for your son Jesus Christ we're thankful for the blood that was shed we're thankful Lord for salvation redemption, all that was made possible through the cross. Father, we just ask, Lord, that you would fill this place. Lord, that your anointing and your spirit would be real, Lord. Lord, that you would convict the heart. And, Lord, we'd be careful to praise you and thank you. Lord, we praise you right now, asking that you would have your way. We ask these things in Christ's name. Touch every part of this service. And, Lord, we be careful to thank you for all that you do. Amen. We worship with Sister Lala and Brother Jimmy as they come to lead us. Today.
0: For the lighthouse today, let's stand all over the house and continue to worship the Lord this morning. We're going to sing about the holiness of the Lord. This song simply just says, "Holy, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty, and He's worthy to receive glory and honor and praise." So let's worship Him today. your mercy that, Lord, we stand here today and not of ourselves.
1: For I'm living proof of what the mercy of God can do. Turned my whole life upside down. He took the old, he made it new. That's just what the mercy of God can do. For I'm alive. the okay. The power of life. I'm so glad, glad That my freedom Was a based so
0: I truly can say that falling in love with Jesus was truly the best thing that I've ever done. There's been many decisions that Lord I may have made in my life but loving Jesus by far was the best thing I've ever done. Father as we get ready to break the bread of life I pray that we hear from heaven and the sweet love that we feel jesus saturate our hearts and saturate this place that god we can decree and declare not my word not these people that i stand before today's word but thus saith the word of god it's god's word no other word is like it no other word can replicate it it doesn't fade it doesn't pass away but it remains sure and steadfast throughout the ages of time so Lord, we stand on this word, Your words today. Father, I pray that You would help us today to truly be able to say, "It was good to be in the house of the Lord." In the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, the people of God together said, "Amen." Amen. If you'll grab your Bibles, as you remain standing, go to the Book of Joshua, chapter two. I'm going to read, or Joshua, chapter three. I'm sorry, and uh, we're going to begin reading in verse number 2. Joshua chapter 3. We're going to begin reading in verse 2. It came to pass after three days that the officers went through and they commanded the people saying, When you see the ark of the covenant of the Lord your God and the priest bearing it, you will remove from the place you are and go after it. Now I also want to cross-reference. We read these last week. For time's sake, I won't read all of them. But I want to say, read one more out of First Corinthians, or First Chronicles, I'm sorry. David said, no one can cover the ark of God except the Levites, for the Lord has chosen them to carry the ark before them. And I want to drop down to verse number, if you will, number 12, or verse, excuse me, number uh, 12, I believe. David said, You are the heads of the fathers' houses and the Levites. Sanctify yourselves, you and your brethren, that you may bring up the ark of God of Israel to the place that I have prepared. For, because you didn't do it right the first time, the Lord your God broke out against us and because we didn't consult Him about proper order. So the priests and the Levites sanctified themselves to bring the ark of God, ark of the Lord God of Israel. And the children of the Levites bore the ark on their shoulders by its poles, as Moses commanded them, talking the Levitical law, the Moses commanded them in the words of God. I want to finish this sermon today. I started part one, but I want to finish part two today, being bearers of his presence. Being bearers of his presence. Father, I pray you would take a coal from the altars of heaven and anoint these lips of clay, that I may decree and declare what thus saith the word of God. Lord, I know there are some that are out today in sick in body, some that had to leave right after Sunday school, some that are traveling. But, Lord, we're here, and that's all that matters, that we're in your house and in your presence. So, God, today, I pray today that you would speak to us in this house, and you would help us to, Lord, hear only what your word says. Father, let us not only be hearers of the word, but doers of it likewise. We pray this in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. The people of God together said, amen. Amen. You may be seated if you can in the presence of the Lord. Bearers of his presence. Last week I began a sermon series or a sermon thought of being bearers of his presence. We talked about Joshua chapter 3 about the nature of this, if you will, bearer of his presence. We, we talked about the children of Israel were trying to cross over the Jordan River. And they were trying to cross over, if you will. Uh, into the promised land. They're getting ready to go into Canaan. We talked about how those that were uh, of the older generation of Moses' day, they had all died in the wilderness, and how that Joshua and Caleb were the only two of that generation to continue to go forward. We cross-referenced that with David in 1 Chronicles chapter 15. David had, had been wanting to bring the house of the Lord, or bring the Ark of the Covenant, the tangible representation Of God's presence back to Jerusalem after it had been in enemy captivity and on its way back he uh, he didn't follow protocol we'll see that here in just a few moments he didn't follow protocol and it had devastating effects when he didn't follow protocol and so the second time around David says to the people of God he said I screwed this up the first time but I'm not gonna screw it up the second time I'm gonna get it right the second time around Can I tell you that even before I get into the crux of this message and talking about being bearers of His presence, can I say to you today or can I remind you today of a couple things. The first thing I want to remind you real quickly is you may have screwed up your life one time before, but when you come back to God, you don't have to screw it up a second time. God is a God that will give you chance after chance after chance. You say, well, Pastor, I've screwed up my life three times, four times, five times. I've sinned. So many times I've lost count. Well, that's okay because I serve a God that has unlimited amounts of mercy and he has an unlimited amounts of grace. And I serve a God that no matter how far you've gone, no matter how far you've weighed, been wayward and you've strayed, the Bible said that his hand is not too short, neither is his ear too heavy, that he can't reach out of the miry clay and bring you up and set you on the rock to stay. Can I tell you, you say, well, Pastor, you don't know I've been through divorce. You don't know I've I've had an extramarital affair in my lifetime that no one knows about you know, you don't know about how I was a, a drunk. You don't know how I used to do drugs. You don't know what... I don't need to know what you used to be. I'm here to tell you what you can be today. It doesn't matter what you used to be. The Bible says in 1 Corinthians 15:58, any man wants to be a new creation, old things pass away, behold, all things become new. I'm here to tell you when you meet Jesus, you're not the same person. You might leave out of here named Mike or Randy or Jonathan, but when you leave out of here today, if you give your heart to Jesus Christ, Christ, we may still call you by your earthly name, but heaven calls you redeemed. It doesn't call you by the sin you were bound by. It doesn't call you a liar. Heaven doesn't call you an adulterer. Heaven doesn't call you a drunk. Heaven doesn't call you a swindler. Heaven heaven doesn't call you an extramarital affair. Heaven doesn't call you uh, an illegitimate child, but heaven calls you saved, saved by grace. Heaven calls you redeemed. Heaven calls you grace. Heaven calls you by mercy when Peter opens the Lamb's book of life he doesn't see the screw ups and the failures but he sees a blood stain that's smeared over your name that says redeemed how I love to proclaim it redeemed by the blood of the Lamb redeemed in His infinite mercy His child and forever I am when Simon Peter opens that royal book he's going to sing I'm redeemed by blood divine glory glory Christ is mine all to Him I now resign for I have been I have been redeemed. You don't have to leave here the same place you entered in here today. We talked about last week the personnel. We talked about that it had to be the right personnel. The Levites were the only one. The priests were the only one to take it. And I said to you last week that God in His infinite love and mercy, told us through the writings of the Apostle Peter, for you are a royal priesthood, a holy people, a chosen generation, which means if only the priests could carry the presence of God, we don't have to go to a tabernacle and and have the art presence, tangible presence of God, hidden behind a veil. They might have had to do that in Exodus, but the Bible said when Jesus Christ died, and He said it is finished, the temple veil that was woven so tightly, they said that two draft horses couldn't have pulled it together but when Jesus said it is finished something like a hot butter knife from heaven tore that temple veil from top to bottom and it opened up the glory of God what do you say And the Bible said in Hebrews that we have a new high priest of the order of Melchizedek I'm telling you when Jesus said it is finished he not only took my sins and took my captivity from hell and put me in a place that I could go to heaven but he also said you don't need a preacher to pray for you you don't have to go to a confession booth and have some Somebody offer penance for you but you can come boldly to the throne room of God where you can find help in time of need. I'm telling you you are a royal priesthood. You are a chosen generation. You can be a bearer of God's presence in your life. The personnel we talk about sanctification in the term of preparation. We talked about that the Hebrew word that they use For sanctify yourself literally means to set yourself apart or consecrate. It was a word called kadash, and it literally means to be separated. The Bible tells us, come out from among them and be separate, says the Lord. Can I tell you, when you get saved, you can't keep cussing people out like you did before, because the Bible gives you, when you get saved, you should have a new vocabulary. You should have new words, because it shouldn't be your tongue talking, because you should be crucifying yourself daily in the flesh, so that Jesus might be seen. When you get saved, you can't still drink the same drinks you used to drink with the people you drunk with. You can't keep smoking the joints and the blunts and the stuff that you used to smoke. You can't keep lying the same old lies you used to do. You can't keep having an extramarital affair or sex outside of marriage or be out there living and carousing and sinning and doing promiscuity because when you get saved, your body becomes the temple of the Holy Ghost. And there should be something that is set apart for the Master's use. The Holy Ghost does not dwell in unclean temples. You Gotta have a sweeping out so there can be a moving in. And if the devil moves out, it opens up for God to move in. But there's no you cannot serve two masters, either the devil's in your life or the spirit of God is in your life. But I want to tell you this morning, with the little bit of time that I have left this, that I don't you don't have to have a PhD, you don't have to have a doctorate degree, you don't have to have a theology degree. I'm telling you, if the Holy Ghost don't do it, it just don't get done. I'm telling you, He's the the one that saves. He's the one that ch- ch- chastises us. He's the one that convicts our heart. He's the one that sets us free. He was there in Genesis chapter 1 when he was hovering over the waters. He was there at Jesus' baptism coming down as a dove descending. He is the oil that keeps my lamp burning. He's the fire shut up within my bones. He's the wheel in the middle of the wheel. He's the one that's sitting on me when Jesus said it is imperative. I go away. Way so that I can send you the paraclete or the helper the one that come alongside of you in Acts chapter 2 he was that power that dynamite dunamis power that came out of heaven that you be endued with on power from on high that which the Holy Ghost will come upon you and you'll be witnesses in Judea and Samaria and the other most parts of the world I'm telling you if you don't have the Spirit of God in your life you will not withstand the things of this world you will not make it to the end you say well pastor you're just preaching about people speaking in tongues no no I'm like the apostle Paul I wish that you all spoke in tongues more so than I but I desire the gift of prophecy I desire you to speak life that which was dead call it out of dead dead into life I desire that the spirit of God move in your life because with this woke culture and with this counterculture and with these non-binary pronouns and them and they and not him and her I'm telling you our kids are getting confused. Your school system's going to hell in a handbasket. They don't know if they're a cat, they're a dog, they're a horse, they're a fish, or they're a human. I'm telling you, I can tell them what they are. You can put any clothes you want to on. You can hop over any little barricade you want. You can bark all you want to, but Psalms 139 said you are fearfully and wonderfully made. You are God's made creation. You're not a cat. You're not a dog. You are God's creation in His image. You have to set yourself apart, not conform to this world. The Bible says don't conform to this world, transform your mind. Let this mind be in you that's in Christ Jesus. Separate yourself. Do not conform to the patterns of this world. The Bible tells us that our reasonable act of worship is to present our bodies as a holy sacrifice. Not just any sacrifice, a holy sacrifice. Pleasing unto the Lord. In the Greek that word sanctify agadasio literally is the same word it's just in a different language it's in the Greek language set apart consecrated you can be of this world you can be in this world but you don't have to be of this world you can be in this world but not of this world the Bible tells us I believe it was Peter that said we're just pilgrims, sojourners passing through this home. this world is not our home we're going to a better place. If this is the best it gets, God, I am miserable because I'm telling you the way this world is. If this is truly all there is to it, then then that that's really sad. But I don't believe there is all that. this is all there is to it. I believe somewhere, the old song says somewhere yonder beyond the blue. I believe I can't see it in the Milky Way galaxy. I can't see it in the, all the thousands of light years of galaxy scientists tell us that are out there. But I believe somewhere way above the blue skies, way outside of the Milky Way galaxy, in a... In, quoting an old Star Wars quote in a galaxy far far away I believe there's a God that's sitting with the palm of his hand and every black hole every light year every solar system every planetary formation is in the palm of his hands and one day I'm not going to be bound by gravity of earth I'm not going to be held by Milky Way galaxies but there's going to come a day that the old song says some glad morning I shall fly away I'm not going to need Delta to help me get there I don't need U.S. Airways to get me there. I don't have to have NASA build me a, a rocket to get there because when I lose gravitational force on this earth, there's not a plane going to stop me. There's not a rocket going to out, outrun me. But I'm going to go in a moment as a twinkling of an eye. I'm going to be walking on streets of gold. I'm going to shake hands with loved ones. If I'm not living in this world because I'm just thankful I'm telling you this world, I'm just passing through. I don't really care what happens because to be absent from the is to be present with the Lord. I don't really care what happens down here because this is not my final resting place. But I will tell you that if you don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you better hope to God you love this earth and you better enjoy every mouth-watering bite of food and you better enjoy all the amenities this world offers you because when you die the Bible says you also absent from the body you can be separated from the Lord in what they called a place called hell a place of, of of unceasing restlessness a place of torture a place of eternal damnation and and something you never can get relief from I want you to know that you better enjoy it because this may be the only heaven you get but I'm telling you you don't have to let this be the only heaven you get because if you're just to do the ABCs if you admit you're a sinner and believe in Jesus Christ and confess that He is Lord of all. The Bible said in A, B, C you shall be saved and you can go to a place where Jesus said let not your hearts be troubled. Believe in God. Believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so I would have told you. But I'm going to prepare a place for you that where I am you may be also. I'm telling you God's Doesn't have to have the codes and zones. Come check it out. But you might live in a trailer down here. You might live in a brick home down here. You might live in an apartment down here. But you ain't seen nothing like your house over there. You're going to see a house like nobody on this side of heaven can build. But only if you know Jesus Christ. Only if you know Him. Today I want to pick up quickly. Not only is there a personnel and a preparation to go. But you got to have God in the right place too. Placement is essential. The personnel had to be right. Royal priesthood, holy generations. The preparation before the priest of God could bear the Ark of the Covenant, they had to consecrate themselves. They had to make sure they were right with God. They had to change their clothes. I, I said to you last week that when you get sanctified you won't dress like you did when you were still looking for a man before you got saved. You won't dress half-heartedly. You won't have everything exposed and everything showing and, and all the stuff. You won't do what you used to do. There will be a change. When Jesus comes in your life, the Bible says there's a change that takes place. I'm telling you that not only is there preparation, but you've got to make sure Jesus is at the center of it all Jesus is not sitting in the second chair he's not playing second fiddle if he's not lord of all he is not lord at all he is only the one that sits in the centrality of it all if you only use God as a genie in a bottle to get you out of jail that he's not really God in your life but he's the one that he's got to be God in the morning he's got to be God in the afternoon he's got to be God in the evening it's like the old song said he's God when the lightning flashes. He's God when the thunder rolls. He's God in the amen corner. He's God all over the floor. Someone took it a step further and said, He's God in Alabama. He's God in Tennessee. He's God in South Carolina. He's God all over me. I'll take it a step further. He's got to be God when the good's happening. He's got to be God when the bad's happening. He's got to be God when you got money in the bank. He's got to be God when you're flat broke. He's got to be God in good health. He's got to be God when a bad doctor report he's God and God don't ever change he's always been God always been God see too many people like God when everything's good I'll serve God when there's money in the bank then the other side says well no I don't serve God when it's good I only need God when it's bad when everything's good I don't need God I just need him when crisis hits The other side of the coin is they say, well, I'll serve God as long as He blesses me indeed and enlarges my territory. But as soon as the rocky roads hit, I don't want God no more because what kind of God would do that to me? I'm going to tell you this morning in God's infinite mercy and wisdom, God is not God based on your whims and your mood patterns. Hello, preacher. God's not God based on what time of the month it is for your mood. God's not God when you just feel like coming to church. He's God whether you come to church or not. He's God whether you pay tithes or not. I'm not here preaching tithes today, but I'm going to tell you the truth today. God doesn't need your money. You say, well, Pastor, I don't think I've ever heard you really preach hard on tithing because I'm not worried about it. The Bible said God owns the cattle on a thousand hills. He's never seen the righteous forsaken, received begging bread. The Bible said God loves a cheerful giver. If somebody's going to put money in the offering plate but, but, but bemoan about it and grumble and complain about it, I'd rather them keep it so that I don't get punished and cursed with their unrighteous money. Hello, preacher. You can go buy whatever boat you want to. I hope it doesn't sink. Come on, I'm preaching better than you're shouting today. Oh, Pastor, I can't afford to pay tithes, but I can afford a boat payment. Oh, Pastor, I can't afford to give to missions, but I can afford a $400 car payment. Pastor, I I can't afford to help out on the giving for the building fund because, you know, the wife and I, we're we're trying to plan a a $5,000 vacation to England. So you do what you want to do. You find the money to do what you want to do. Because you want that boat to have gas in it at $4 a gallon to be able to go out into the jetties. But then on Sunday morning, so pastor, I spent all my money in gas yesterday in that boat. One of these days God may sink that boat and you'll have to figure out how you're going to get yourself out of the jetties. The last time somebody sank the boat, God sent a whale by to swallow them up. I don't know if that's the transportation you want, but hey, if it sinks, jump overboard and let's see if there's any big fish swimming by your area that night. Hello, preacher. I've had nine hours of drive time. I've had no sleep, so I'm feeling real good right now. I should not sleep more often. I'm telling you today, people do what they want to do. And I'm telling you, the Bible said in Joshua's account and it said in David's account, there was a proper placement to where the Ark of the Covenant... It didn't say, well, just carry the Ark of the Covenant any old way you want to. It was a proper order. In fact, the first time when, when David decided he was going to bring the Ark of the Covenant home, from the Philistine land he sent some new carts he had had some fresh oxen strong oxen he built a beautiful wooden cart and he sent it he told them to put the Ark of the Covenant on the cart the Ark of the Covenant began to make its way back towards Jerusalem and the Bible said that one of the oxen stumbled in the road one of the guys walking along the side of the cart his name was Uzzah Uzzah was standing there and he saw it, and in his immediate reaction, which would have been probably anybody's reaction, but his immediate reaction, he saw that it was the cart was wavering, or it was tottering, or it was teetering. So he stuck his hand out, and he touched the Ark of God, the tangible presence of God, and to try to steady it. And the Bible said he dropped dead on impact. It scared David so bad, he was afraid to bring the Ark of the Covenant home with him, so he shipped it across the street to a guy by the name of Obed-Edom's house. And he sent it to his house. The Bible said the longer it stayed at Obed-Edom's house, the more Obed-Edom got blessed. And something happened to David. And David said, but I want to be blessed of the Lord. I want the Lord's favor on my life. And he just kept, it kept eating it, David. To the point David said, you know what? I've got to get the tangible presence of God back into my life. Can I tell you, some of you have been running from God too long. You've got to get the tangible presence of God back into your life. David said, I've got to get it home. He started thinking about it. He said, well... The last time I tried this, I screwed this thing up. I cost a man his life. I've got to do it differently this time. See, I want to tell you something. They tried to do it with a with a cart. Anybody know? If anybody knows anything about biblical archaeology and, and biblical history, yes, they had metal and yes, they had workers of things. But most of everything they did was out of wood, carpentry type things. They were big in the wood. So for David to have a wooden cart or, if you will, something to put this ark of God, tangible presence of God on the back of oxen, he would have built a wooden cart. Well, I started thinking about that. I started thinking about what, if I were to build a wooden cart, what would I need? And I started thinking what the most essential elements are to this wooden cart. Big wheels and many boards. And it dawned on me, God's Spirit is not predicated on the big wheels of church. Those who think they're the big wheels. You know, Pastor, I pay the most money in the church. God doesn't need you. Hello, preacher. God's Spirit is not bound by the big wheels. And God's spirit is not bound by however many committees and boards you come up with. Well, we gotta have a board for hospitality, we gotta have a committee for carpet, we gotta have a committee for decoration. we gotta have a committee for the for the property management, we gotta have a committee on the we got women's ministries, but they have seventeen subcommittees under the women's ministries, and the men have men's ministries with fourteen subcommittees, and we got a committee over plumbing, and we got a committee over lights, and we got God doesn't need all your big wheels and your mini boards, because God God's presence was not designed on the big wheels and the mini boards but his presence was designed to be carried on the backs of men and women it was not designed to ride around paraded but it was designed to be close to our hearts they put it on it was designed to be close contact with the body potential judgment happens if you don't David said I did it wrong the first time First time I tried to do it my way. My way doesn't work. So he begins to search the annuals of scripture and he goes, how do I have to do this so it doesn't get out of hand or God's judgment falls upon us? Brother, man I believe he called the scribes and he called the the high priest and he asked for the scrolls and he began to read about the Mosaic law and somewhere Sister Tina in that he began to read that the priest shall bear it on their shoulders. And a light bulb went on in David's head and said, that's it! That's it! I put God in the wrong place. Because when God's in the wrong place, chaos ensues. But when God's in the right place, everything comes in agreement. In order, how can two walk together unless they come into agreement? I'm here to tell you today, if God is not the center of it all, He is not Lord of it at all. I'm telling you, God's got to be the center of the message. God's got to be the center of the worship. God's got to be the center of the Bible studies. God's got to be center of everything. If it's not by God's breath, if it's not by the Spirit of God, the Bible tells us it's not by might nor by power, but by my spirit. Spirit says, the Lord, I'm telling you, churches can't be built without God in the center of the house. Nothing will stand the test of time unless it's built on the solid rock. On Christ the solid rock I stand. All other ground is sinking sand. Christ has to be in the center of it all. He has to be. Hebrews 10 tells us, not forsake the assemblings of ourselves. I started Looking at biblical numerology, you know I hate math, but I love Bible numbers. We are in the year 2023. I took the number 23 and I began to look up what in the Bible, what would 23 biblical numerology, what would it represent? It actually is quite an interesting number. Because it's actually two numbers and their meanings joined together just like you take the number 2 and the number 3 and you make it together to make 23. That's how the definition or the biblical numerology came about. The number 2 represents unity. How can two walk together unless they agree? Two. Me, you, brothers, sisters of the faith. Two. Two. The number three represented divine order, or God. three parts of the Godhead, Father, Son, and Spirit. So it's two, unity of humanity, three, divinity, and you put those together to get 23, which literally means God with us. Bears of His presence. God with us. Us. The Ark of the Covenant represented the tangible presence of God. Why did David want it close by? Because he wanted God with him. He has to be God with us. So I started looking at scriptures, and I, I just—I'm not going to read all of them because it'd blow your mind. But Zechariah 8 and 23. Listen to what 23. Zechariah 8:23. Let us go with you, for we heard God is with you. Psalms 23. And 4, yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, you are with me. Jeremiah 23 and 23, Am I a God who is near, declares the Lord, and not a God, a far off meaning I am near you. Matthew 1 and 23, You shall call His name Emmanuel, which interpreted is means God with us. Matthew 18 and 20, where two or three... Gather in my name there I am. 23. We are in the year 23. I believe God is trying to tell his church I am with you. You may feel like I forsook you in 2019 through 2021. And 2022 might have been a year of rebuild. But come 2023 I am still the God that is with you. I am with you. I'm with you. 2023 January there was a there was a professional football game that was played. It was against it was one of the playoffs at the National Football League there was a young man by the name of Demar Hanlon. He made a tackle. His heart stopped suddenly because of him getting hit center of his chest and he went into a cardiac arrest and and literally died. They called it commotion corditis. And he literally is where he hit, that blow hit him so hard that the chest at that precise location called him to go into a, heart, a cardiac arrest. He laid motionless. They did CPR, no movement. For, the la- for all night long, I remember watching the sports program. This is still 2023, January of this year. I watched sports newscasters and secular Sports media's big four-letter networks like ESPN and others have people get on there and say, we need to pray for tomorrow. We need to pray for tomorrow. Everybody should pray for tomorrow. You know, pray you know, that everything is going to be all right. They were all worried. We need to pray. About 1130 that night, I can't remember. I apologize. I can't remember which anchor it was on ESPN. I was getting ready to go to bed. And one of the other anchors said, you know, we should, we should all pray tonight before we go to bed for Damar and his family. And what a tragic situation. And un, you know, you just didn't see it coming, unexpected. One of the anchors turned his microphone to him and said these words, and I quote it, exactly how he says it. Instead of us all saying we need folks to pray, why don't we just pray right here, right now, since we have a captive audience. Now, in a four-letter network like ESPN, God's not supposed to be mentioned very often. But nobody in the room said anything, and this is how that anchor started his prayer. Lord, we come to you today because we know you're the only one that can do something about it. I'm telling you if God has to walk into the enemy's camp he can make himself known I'm telling you even when the enemy tries to shut God out God can step in and say God I'm the only God can say I'm the only one that's here today that can do anything about it can I tell you you can go to the enemy's camp and you can take back what he stole from you can I tell you that even when it looks like God's forsaken you and the enemy's all around you the Bible tells Tells us God can go before me and prepare tables before me in presence of mine enemies I'm telling you God can go where we don't even think he can go he said "Well, just pray right here you got church people that won't even pray in the safety of church but we've got people praying in the enemy's camps I should say something about the state of the church I'm going to finish with this one. The last thing I want to say is, but when you are bearers of his presence, you also are granted his promises. If you are bearers of his presence, you have access and gain access to a storehouse of promises. Joshua chapter 3 and verse 5 said this. He tells them when they are going to be bearers of His presence, He tells them you've got to sanctify yourself, you've got to consecrate yourself, but verse 5 said this, after all that He said this, sanctify yourselves for tomorrow God will do wonders among you. Well, the next day the Ark of the Covenant gets to the edge of the Jordan River. The Jordan River at that time was at the flood stage, which means it was literally flowing over the banks of the sides, the sides of the banks, but those priests were up front. Joshua said the day before, "Just sanctify yourself for tomorrow, God will do wonders." And the Bible said that when those priests carrying the tangible presence of God, when their feet, just their toes, touched the waters of the Jordan River, you got to remember the little kids didn't see this only Joshua and Caleb saw when Moses took up a staff and he stood with the army when Satan was behind him in the the likeness of Pharaoh's army when the enemy was hot on his pursuit it's like that old song said that that Pharaoh's army was on their tracks but out of nowhere God stepped in and he cut a highway just like that he's an on time God yes he is Moses lifted up his staff and the waters of the Red Sea abated those little babies didn't see that back then they don't even remember it but when those priests feet touched the overflowing banks of the Jordan River the Bible says the waters of the Jordan abated and they rolled back just like the Red Sea a million and a half plus people crossed the second time across dry ground and the very next time we see them they're conquering places like Jericho a double fortified walled city they're conquering lands they're laying memorial stones and they're remembering where God has brought them from can I tell you church we just a couple weeks ago celebrated 30 years of fruitful ministry and honored and had a memorial of the years where God has brought us from but can I tell you God still wants to tell you today that He still has wonders to show us today and tomorrow for He's the same yesterday and today and forevermore and if God did it then He still does it now Carol, be it, make your way for me. He states God's going to do wonders. Show wonders. Joshua knew it. David lived it. David had saw giants fall. David had saw promises come to pass. He saw being anointed as a king and later becoming a king. He saw it. Romans 8 and 31, What shall we say of these things? If God be for us, who can be against us? John the Revelator said in John 1, and 1 John 4 and 4, You are children of God and have overcome them because greater is He that's in you than he that's in this world, the enemy. Isaiah 59 and 19 says, And they shall fear the name of the Lord from the west and His glory from the rising sun. When the enemy comes in, Like a flood, God will raise a standard against him. Isaiah 54 and 17 says, No weapon that is formed against me shall prosper. Every tongue that accesses you in judgment you will condemn. This is the heritage of the servants of the Most High God and vindication comes from the Lord. When you are bearers of his presence, the enemy takes notice. Joshua 23 and 10, one man shall chase a thousand, for it is the Lord your God who fights for you just as he promised. God's promises are yes and amen. He does not falter. He does not waver. He does not sway. He does not blow by tornadic winds. He doesn't get lost by distractions. He is constant, steadfast, immovable, consistent. Dependable, reliable, available, obtainable, and as close as the mention of his name. What should you desire more than anything else? Not a car, not a house, not a bigger church. We should desire his presence. Rend the heavens, Lord, and come down. Psalm 16 and 11. In your presence there is fullness of joy, and at your right hand, Pleasures forevermore. Enter into his gates with thanksgiving, and his courts with praise. His presence should go before you, and behind you, and beside you. He should be every day with you. You shouldn't just feel him when you come to church. You shouldn't just experience him when there's good music. You shouldn't just feel him when there's preaching and altar calls. But on Tuesday afternoon at five o'clock, when you get a bad phone call, you should feel somebody else is in the room with you at the same time. That's been there all along. Just this week. Well, let me back up. The Ark of the Covenant. The Bible says that when they would go out to battle, they would carry the Ark of the Covenant with them because the enemy would be the enemies of Israel were terrified when they saw it. Because they had heard how that God was with his people. Can I tell you, the devil knows whether or not you got God in your life or not. He knows. He may fight you hard, but he knows he can only go so far because he knows that you're a bearer of his presence. Someone goes before you and behind you and beside you. This week, I was in Pennsylvania, and I'm done, I promise. Till tonight. I'll go home and take a nap and start over again. I got a phone call. Well, a text message. I said, Pastor, I don't want you to come home. I don't want you to be alarmed. But I just wanted you not to feel left out. But my 96 year old aunt is taking a turn for the worst. They've called in hospice. She was unresponsive. She was not if you will responding we me and my sister went over there we couldn't wake her up it just it doesn't look good they think maybe she's had a stroke she's not looking good it, it, it just you know, I just didn't want you to think that we left you out of the loop don't worry about it she's got a church and a pastor and all her kids go to church but we wanted you to know I said I'll come home right now no you stay you stay I said no I'll leave right now she said no let's just see how this plays out are you sure yes that was a report I got. Hospice is in. It could be 24 to 48 hours. She's going to leave this word. I told Brianna I didn't know whether I should leave or not. I kept telling her, should we leave? Should we not? And Brianna's like, well, they told you to wait. And so we just waited it out. And all night I laid there and I thought, another soldier's going home. Another saint of God's going home. They're ready. It's going to be wonderful. And, and, and they'll be reunited with their sister and their family. God's going to do something special but there's going to be a gap on this side of heaven too. Next morning I get up, we're getting dressed, I make a phone call, and I said, tell me how Aunt so-and-so's doing. She said, well, Pastor, she's sitting up right now drinking a cup of coffee, looking at us. I said, really? She said, yeah. I said, well, I'll check back in. She said, she's a little weak, but I I said, well, I'll check back in. Later that day or the next day, one of, I can't remember which one, I called back and said, so give me an update. You know, I've always heard it gets better before it gets worse, so give me an update. I said, oh, today, she's back in her wheelchair. She's not just drinking coffee. She's wheeling herself around, laughing, cutting up, talking to people, acting, feeling good, wanting to go out, wanting to go do stuff, ready to get back to doing what she did. She's doing great. And I thought about this last night driving home. Branagh was listening to music so loud I couldn't think clearly to keep herself awake. So I had to put air fogs in just so I could hear my brain still calculating. And I was listening to some some gospel music. Now if you listen to other music, that's between you and God. I'm not here to tell you what you do. But I don't feel God in country. And I don't feel God in rap. I don't feel God and cursing and slang and sexual innuendos. But when I turn on, it can be praise and worship. It can be southern gospel. It can be black gospel. If they can get Jesus right in the song, I'm with them. I, don't, I may not can play it like they play it. I may not can sing it like they sing it. And I may not know half the words they're saying. But every once in a while, if I hear Jesus, that's the only name I need to know. The rest of it doesn't matter. That's the name I'm looking for. And I have those things. I was listening to Tommy Bates' his worship team leading worship they were singing an old song that said oh yes oh yes I'm a child of the king his royal blood flows that song and I started thinking about that lady who was I was told two days earlier should be passing I don't know what the conversation was like in heaven but I thought about I wonder if the conversation could have went like this son it's time to go get Jane offered and bring her home so she can be with her sister Laura May. I think it's time to go get her. But I wonder if the great high priest who makes intercession for us daily with the Holy Spirit on the left-hand side of the throne said, "But, But God, that'll be another candle and a light that's out of this dark world. This world's getting worse. We need more lights, not less. Wonder if we just did a miracle instead how many people would be amazed including hospice teams doctors, nurses that may not know Jesus but they'll have to admit there's somebody else in the room bigger than their knowledge so why don't we just heal her and let her stay down there for a little bit longer so that when everybody says she's a miracle we know what she's like she's going to tell them oh no it's all about Jesus honey so why don't instead of bringing her here why don't we make the devil mad and let her stay down there so the devil's more frustrated about it than we are up here in heaven and God said sounded good to me and the Holy Spirit just swept right in that room sometime overnight while she's sleeping and said oh Jane I know you're ready to come home but I need you to just fight a little longer I need you to work a little longer I need you to serve me a little longer I need you to keep fighting the fight of faith a little longer because there's going to be people that need to know there's still a God and God is still in control and the only person that has control is God You say, well, Pastor, that's a great fictitious story. It may not have happened, but it sounded good at 3 a.m. It sounded wonderful to me. So here's my question to you today. Two questions. Number one, I'm getting ready to have you bow your head and close your eyes to answer these questions, but I'm going to let you go ahead and know what they are. The Number four, I always ask if there's someone that doesn't know Jesus to let them have the opportunity to know Jesus because you will spend eternity separated from him if you don't. The second question I'm going to ask you is I'm going to ask you, are you... Desire it to be a bearer of His presence. You feel like that maybe you don't have the, the Spirit of God as strong in your life as you'd like it to be. And you just want to be counted a bearer of His presence. So with every head bowed and every eye closed, the first question I'm going to ask, is there anybody here today? Head bowed and eye closed, you would just simply say, Pastor, I don't know if I'm right with Jesus and I don't want to die and go to hell. Would you pray for me? That God would save me today. Is there anyone here that says they don't know Jesus? You just lift your hand. I don't want anybody to leave this place not certain they're going to go to heaven one day. Are is there any? All right. God bless you. The last question, and then I'm going to let you go to lunch, is this. Is There's someone here today that says, Pastor, I want to be a bearer of His presence. I, I serve God. I love God. I know God. But I, I want to carry His presence in my life daily. I want... Him to be in my life. I desire, I'm like David, I desire for His presence to be near me and I want to be a bearer of His presence. And pastor, would you pray for me to be a bearer of God's presence in this world? If that's you, you slip your hand up. You want to be a, a bearer of God's presence. Are there any? There's a pastor you can count. Yes, I see those hands. I see those hands. God bless you for those that say you want to be bearers of His presence. God bless you. there everyone, stand all over the house. If you'll grab the hand of the person beside you today. I know who raised their hands. God knows who raised their hands. You don't know, and that's okay. But while I pray over those that did raise their hands to be bearer of His presence, and there may be some that didn't raise their hand but want to be, I'm going to pray that this church is a church that is a bearer of His presence. I don't, you hear me clearly, don't misunderstand. I don't care how many more good praise and worship songs we sing. Don't really care. I don't care how many more new songs come off of the press for us. I don't care. I really don't care how many good sermons I still have left in the tank. I really don't care. I could get laryngitis and not be able to preach for a month and I wouldn't care. But I will say to you that I do care that if God's presence is in this house or not. And I do not ever want to come to church whether I'm preaching or someone else is preaching or I'm singing or someone else, I never want to walk into this place and Ichabod be on this door. I, never, I don't care if I ever preach again, but I want to make sure that I'm always in a house where his presence is in the room too. And I want this place when we come as one mind and one accord and gather together that we bring the presence of God with us in this place. Where hearts are changed, lives are changed, marriages restored, homes put back together, salvation, sanctification, spirit-filled baptism, only done by the presence of Jesus. Let's pray together. Eternal Father, I come before you today in the presence of God and these witnesses to decree and declare that I have done my very best to preach the unadulterated Word of God. I'm nothing special, I'm just a mere mortal man. There is nothing about me that qualifies me any more than anyone else in this room but father I would say today God I am humbled that you have allowed me the the task to present your gospel to this world I don't know what your plan is for our church and our lives and even mine but I never want to be in a place that your presence is not with us wherever we go. Father, I never want to get to a place where the presence of God is missing while we perfect the art of just doing church. I don't want to do church. I want to have church. For when the Holy Ghost shows up, that's when we have church. God, there are people that have raised their hands and said they want to be bearers of your presence. Let them carry the Shekinah glory, the presence of God in their hearts and life. Speak to them today, Lord. Touch them today, Lord. Let them walk in a new alignment with you. And let the Spirit of God radiate and permeate their hearts today. Father, I pray you would bless us and keep us. You make your face shine upon us. Be gracious to us. Lift up your countenance Give us the peace of God that surpasses all human understanding. Guard our hearts until we come again. And let the words of our mouth and meditation of our hearts be acceptable and pleasing in your sight, O Lord. Strength and Redeemer. In the name of Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, we ask these things. Together the people of God said amen. Amen. Before I have Brother Randy close us out in a benedictory prayer, let me remind you we do have service tonight at 6 p.m. Brother Larry Wyatt's going to be preaching because I'm exhausted. He just found out right now, just kidding, it's completely a joke unless the Lord's speaking to your heart. I was going to ask Brother Shane to do it, but I know he won't come back if I call him out, so I just wasn't going to do that to him today. But we will have church tonight at 6 o'clock. We might sing, we might preach, we may all meet, go to Huddle House. I'm not sure how this is going to go when I get here. We're going to just trust the Lord, and hopefully I'll wake up from my nap. So about 4 o'clock, somebody send me a text message to make sure I'm awake. But let me say to you, thank you for being in the house of the Lord today. Uh, I don't take for granted lightly. I have been through COVID. I have preached in this room where none of you were here. There was a camera, one person in the sound booth, and most of the time that person in the sound booth didn't want to hear what I had to say either. So it was really depressing times for a preacher. So I don't take lightly when you make efforts to come to church. It means so much. There are so many of you today that are our guests that are, that are visiting or maybe coming with family. It's so good to see Brother Wayne back. We've missed him. He's our, like, long-lost adoptive son who strayed away for a few weeks and found his way back home. And we're just so glad to have him back. But he's been helping CLM out with some graduations and some CLM store work. He's been a busy man, but we've missed him. And Brother Shane and Sister Lori. We missed him last week. It's so good to have Christian and, and, uh, and his family and, and um, Sister Patricia's family with us today, and they're here with us, and we appreciate that. And if anybody else that you're with, the ladies back here on the second week with us, we're so glad to have you. I haven't got to officially say hello yet because I've been in another world, but it's so good to have you all too as well. But uh, God's good to us, church, so we're going to keep believing God's going to help us. But I love you. Hopefully we'll see you tonight at 6. If not, we have midweek Bible study at 7 p.m. God bless you, Brother Andy. Would you do close us in prayer?